0: All right, friends, welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. Today, we've got my good friend Rena Martine on. Now, Rena was the deputy district attorney for the LA County DA's office for 14 years, where she spent the majority of her career prosecuting cases, cases on sexual assault, domestic violence, and child abuse. She continues to serve women today as both a certified women's intimacy coach and educator with a mission to help women love their bodies, experience deep intimacy, and have great sex shame-free. She educates hundreds of women per month on several virtual wellness platforms on a variety of topics pertaining to sex, intimacy, and relationships. Her signature shameless coaching program has transformed the lives of dozens of women and counting by helping them liberate themselves from shame and discover deep intimacy. Now, whether you're a guy or a gal in this episode, you are not going to want to miss it because we talk about how to open up discussions about sex with your partner, the importance of having a sex bucket list, why 60% of men and 50% of women cheat, and how to avoid being in that stat, how to keep your sex life alive with kids, and how to help a woman orgasm. And don't forget, we only spread our message when you share this knowledge with others that need it. So if you enjoy this episode, please share it on social and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss another great episode. And for all of our shit you don't learn in college fans out there, if you've gotten any value from this podcast, don't forget to go to www.sidlickbook.com to grab your copy of the shit you, don't learn in college po- <laughs> shit you don't learn in college book available now. It's number one bestseller on Amazon. And if you get it at www.sidlickbook.com, we'll give you over $3,000 in other bonuses. I'll see you in there. All right, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. Today, we've got my guest, a good friend and a client of ours, Rena Martine on. Rena, welcome to the show. Thank
1: you. I'm so glad to be here.
0: I'm excited to have you here because we're going to talk about something that I don't think most people talk about regularly, um, even with the people that are closest to them, like their spouses. Uh, We're going to talk about sex. And We're going to talk about intimacy, and we're going to talk about everything that comes with that. Um, so I'm really excited to dig into this topic because uh, I think it's a topic that more people need to be open about and have conversations about. It's definitely something that you don't learn in college, um, but Rena, you you have uh, an amazing business, and you have an amazing influence, and you've helped so many people over the years um, overcome a, a lot of issues around this. I'd love for you to give a little bit of background on your story and how you got to this point of being such a powerful influence in the in the women's intimacy uh, and sex space.
1: Sure. Well, um, I joined the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office at the age of twenty five, so I spent fourteen years as a prosecutor with l a county. Um during that time, I spent the majority of my career prosecuting cases of sexual assault child abuse, and domestic violence. Um, After about doing that for a decade, I reached a point of really tragedy and frustration because I wanted to bring justice to survivors. Yeah. To survivors specifically of sexual assault. And unfortunately, the justice system doesn't always work as it's meant to. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: So I realized there was only so much I could do. I then... um, simultaneously began my own personal journey of working through sexual shame. And it took me years to get to the point that I'm at now of feeling completely liberated in that way. And so I wanted to give women another avenue, a way to do in a matter of weeks or months what it had taken me years to do. So um, I got a coaching certification and I began working with women and it became wildly apparent to me that no one was teaching women how to do this stuff and that there was such a need for it. So I transitioned out of the legal world and now I get to do this full time and it's the most rewarding work I have ever done.
0: That's amazing. So you mentioned, uh, let's let's dig into this a little bit. You mentioned, you know, trauma and sexual shame, like Tell, tell me about this, because this is, again, this is something that most people are not talking about. So what's the big problem here? What's going on?
1: Well, so the, the real issue is this. Um, well, there's a lot going on.
0: There's, there's, there's a like, lot going on. Yeah, maybe that was a bit of a loaded question, <laughs> and you're trying to give your life's work in about two minutes here now. But yeah.
1: <laughs> right. So, so the core of what I do is I help women love their bodies, experience deep intimacy, and have great sex shame-free. And so the shame can come from so many places, Xander. It can be the result of surviving sexual trauma. It can be the result of a toxic relationship. It can also be the result of just growing up in a culture or family of origin that um, doesn't prioritize sex positivity yeah. or women's sexuality. Yeah. I mean. It can just be a product of the society that we live in and women being told that we're not allowed to advocate for our sexual needs. So where does that shame come from? The shame comes from, I'm not worthy of pleasure. My my needs are not as important as my kids' needs, as my partner's needs, right? Yeah. So really getting in there and kind of starting from the ground up and saying, you are worthy and, and tackling that shame. And, and every woman's shame is unique. Every woman's background is unique. And so that's why the work I do is individually tailored to each woman and and what they're trying to accomplish, but also where they're coming from. And understanding how I'm gonna help a woman who has survived, you know, a decade of childhood sexual assault versus a woman who's trying to spice up her marriage. Her
0: marriage, yeah.
1: They're gonna be very, very different from one another.
0: Yeah. Well, let's let's go down a couple of those paths because I think that would be helpful for, you know, for for some of the women on this show and probably a little eye opening for some of the men on this show. Um, so so let's go down, you know, someone who's someone who's been through some form of sexual trauma um, or trauma. And, you know, the the statistics are, are crazy, right? It's it's something like one in four or maybe even maybe even more than that. Um, m- not just women, but men as well that yes. have been through some form of sexual trauma in their past. Right. So. Uh, if you're in, you know, if you're in a, a gym right now, and you're surrounded by 20 other people, there's you know a good amount of them that are in the room with you, and you might be one of them. And it's nothing to be ashamed of, but it is something to be aware of. And it's not commonly talked about, right? So let's, let's talk about that first. If you are, let's say you're a, a woman or a man that's been through some form of sexual trauma, what are some of the things that you have to start working down that path with them?
1: Sure. And I mean, first and foremost, it's understanding that this was not your fault and that it's okay to talk about because yeah. we wouldn't hesitate to say my house was burglarized or yeah. I was, yeah. I was mugged. Right. And, and so yet we, we internalize so much of these crimes that were perpetrated on us. So if we're talking about sexual assault survivors, um, how do you recover from that? Right. You you break your arm; it's in a cast. But once we take the cast off and you healed, how do you start using your arm again? So yeah. the key is to go in and let your body know that that was then, and this is now, and to start gently reintroducing new data into your brain that says, you know, my body is a safe space and I'm in control. Yeah. Um, so for every woman, that's going to be unique. I had a client who would literally go into a, a panic attack when she was touched by another person. And so we did some work that was essentially her giving herself non-erotic, very G-rated, yeah. guided touch during exercises so that she could send new data, new input to say, you know, touch is safe. You're okay. Before, you're okay. And touch is safe. Um, and I'm still in touch with this client of mine and she has now entered into the wonderful realm of sexual fantasy and BDSM. Wow. And she's found that her acting as a dominant is, has been this massive path to her own empowerment. Wow. Of her saying, you know what? I can be in control here. That is not the the norm. I will say the overwhelming majority (laughs) of women, um, prefer to be submissive. And there's an entire psychology behind that, which I'm yeah, happy to yeah. go into if you'd like yeah. me to. But but even in being a submissive, you would think, well, wow, why is it that I would want to be submissive in the bedroom if I'm a survivor of sexual assault? Yeah. Well, it makes complete sense because in the sexual assault, you weren't in control. And in this situation, even though you are relinquishing control, you're still in the director's chair. You're still the one saying, okay, I'm giving you permission to do this to me. So those are some of the ways where you start to reintegrate being able to say no, but also being able to say yes and using your yes as an entry point into saying, you know, I have agency over my sexuality. I have agency over my pleasure.
0: I love that. And I think, you know, it sounds something key that you're kind of hitting on here too. underlying this is communication. You know, It sounds like being able to communicate, obviously, first part is being able to help yourself move through some of it. But then when you are working with a partner, being able to communicate openly and honestly. And I think that's something that most partners, whether they've been married for 10 years or whether they're new in a relationship, like sexual communication, like actually talking about stuff and saying yes or no or what you like, like it sounds like that's a pretty big piece of it as well.
1: It's huge. It's huge. And my goal is to normalize these discussions and make it be the same thing as where are we going to go for dinner tonight or what kind of food do you like? You know, have these discussions in the beginning and also have them outside of
0: the bedroom too. Yeah.
1: But for a lot of folks, you're like, yeah, Rena, easier said than done. How do we start doing these that was, things? This is
0: exactly what I was because this is something Maddie and I do, right? Yeah. But it's you know because we're open to having these discussions. So for for somebody who's not used to this, like, how do you start having that discussion?
1: A few different ways. So I like relationship check ins, and I think you and Maddie do those, right?
2: Yep, so, we sure do.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Sign of a healthy couple. So whether you're doing your check-in once a week, whether you're doing it um, every two weeks, whether you're doing it once a month, have a list of things that make up your check-in and sex can be one of those. Be like, okay, so you know, on a scale of one to 10, how do you think we're doing in this department? And yeah. what could help us get to a 10, right? Or um, what could we do to try new things? So- just like you would say all right let's let's plan a vacation do you want to go somewhere new or do you want to go back to the place we did before and maybe do something a little bit different yeah um and and having these discussions so that's one less scary way of doing it um there are some apps and there are some games you can play that will help facilitate some of these discussions too one app that um i i recommend all the time is called Spicer. It's S-P-I-C-E-R. And the way it works is you and your partner both sign up for the app. Every day, it sends you a prompt like, would you want to try this thing? And each of you gives it a thumbs up, a thumbs down, or a maybe. And then the app will alert you, you have a match. (laughs) And then (laughs) within that, you can kind of create a discussion within the app, about the match. So that's an easy way to start getting into this. I, I love, I love
0: that because even it's, so, it's so amazing to me, even for couples that have been together for years, just the conversation about sex makes is really uncomfortable for people because just like you mentioned for, for some women, it's, uh, you know, it's very touchy subject because maybe, you know, they haven't been treated properly in the past. And for some men, it's a source of ego and pride. Right. So for men, if you're going to have this conversation with a guy and it's like, you know, giving the guy feedback, well, a guy sometimes will take that as like, oh, I'm not good enough. Right. Or something like that. And that can close down the conversation. So like having the yeah. having having the conversation in an app is hilarious, but seems like it'd be really helpful.
1: <laughs> well, it's, it's funny you mention like the ego thing, the male ego, yeah. because I, I just got out of teaching a class where this question was posed. I don't want to hurt his feelings if I talk about this sexual fantasy we've never done. Yeah. It's all about how you have the conversation, right? Um, I use food as an analogy a lot because people understand that we all like food, but we got to eat. And so I- It's easier to
0: talk about than sex for most people.
1: Well, and people get it. They're like, ah, all right. So
0: um,
1: instead of going to your partner and saying, look- the food you've been cooking me our entire relationship, I actually hate it. <laughs> okay, You can go to your partner and say, hey, I just stumbled upon this new recipe. I don't know. It looks pretty good. You want to try that next week?
2: I love and that.
1: It's something that you're doing together. Make it a we, make it a project. Yeah. Um, but I will point out something, Xander, because I think we're at this interesting crossroads of masculinity and femininity right now. And, um, I have spoken to a lot of men who are scared to have sexual conversations because they don't want to come across as creeps.
0: I, I was actually going to bring, I was actually, that was the next thing that I was going to bring up. Cause you did talk about, you know, a lot of women actually want to be more on the submissive side, right? Yes. But in today's society, right? There's also a lot of like in, in society and in our culture, and in the professional workspace, right? there's uh, a want for women to actually be at a a level equal to men or higher than men, right? And so there's this weird dichotomy going on. Like, how's that playing out?
1: Okay, so it's fascinating to me. If we're talking about sexual fantasies and 93% of women have fantasized about being sexually dominated, what the heck does that say? Well, our fantasies are providing a sexual language for our emotional needs, yeah. So I always say look at the popularity of 50 shades of gray, you know, that yeah. whole franchise. Yeah. That awoke and stirred something within the female conscious, right? Within our society overall. And my theory is this, and this isn't just according to Rena. The research supports this too. It's that as women today, we are required to make more decisions than we ever have had yep. to.
2: Yeah.
1: Right? And so our fantasy is about, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be so nice if somebody made some of those decisions? Somebody
0: took the driver's seat.
1: For me. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why there's this increase in that. However, on the other hand, as we're seeing that it's more acceptable for men to be emotionally compassionate and for men to be vulnerable, you're straddling this line of, but I don't want to be seen as an abuser, right? Yep but if we can understand this that we can't control our fantasies we just can't we don't know necessarily where they come from but we can't control them um and that really this is just play this is pretend this is cops and robbers for grown ups as dan savage says
2: yeah
1: um and that as as a man respecting women and their sexual autonomy and desires is actually a way of being progressive. And um, I'm just going to throw in this other little thing because I think it's super fascinating that if we're looking at fantasies and how they break down amongst political lines, that it's more progressive folks who tend to fantasize about BDSM and power exchange because it runs so contrary and taboo to who they are in their day-to-day life. And they're, you know, how they strive for equality, yes,
2: interesting,
1: yes, super fascinating stuff. So it would make sense why there is this reluctance on the part of men. But if men can understand, oh, this is why women are having these fantasies, it's precisely because we have gotten more power as the years go on, yeah, then and we can all be a bit more compassionate toward one another,
0: yeah, and we can we can understand that that desire in the bedroom, where it comes from and how we can have that in a healthy way.
1: Exactly, exactly. I love that.
0: Um, so you kind, of, you kind of started down this direction as well. And I want to kind of take it down this direction. You mentioned, so obviously there's the, you know, somebody who's come from a traumatic or abusive past, but then there's also a couple that's maybe been together for a while and they just want to spice up their marriage. How, how can you help a couple? And maybe, they, maybe it's not necessarily a couple that's been a while, together a while, maybe it's a new couple, but they want to have the best sex ever. How Like what advice would you give them?
1: Well, I always start off by having my clients come up with a bucket list of 27 things that they want to do, be, or experience in their intimate life. And that can be things they want to do in the bedroom. It can be emotional intimacy. It can even be, hey, I want to feel comfortable wearing a bikini, Yeah, right? How they relate to their own body. So, um... You'll have these beautiful lists, and I'll say, Well, okay, you haven't done any of these. It's like I've been married for 20 years and no, we've never used a blindfold before, and I've always wanted to. Yeah. So then the next question becomes, okay, does your partner know that you're working with me? Most, most of the time, their partner does know. And I will tell you, the overwhelming majority of men are like, I'm so excited for this. Huh. Like yeah. So, I just always say, throw Rena <laughs> under the bus and go to your partner and say, All right, my homework this week that we me, came Rena up made with. Rena made me do it. Rena yeah. made me do it because that's usually what it is, Xander. Yeah. It's permission.
2: Yeah.
1: Right? And so, yeah, how do you start to have these discussions? Um, say, for example, BDSM is something, or just a little bit of role play is something you might be interested in. There's a test that you can take online called bdsmtest.org. You both take it and it might be a bit eek and squeamish for you. Um, but then afterwards, you compare your results. It's kind of like comparing your love language results, yeah, right?
0: so that you can better understand each other.
1: Absolutely. And you can say, whoa, wow, I didn't know you were into that. What can we, what can we do about that? Um, or, you know, watch some porn. If there's some porn that you like, Send it to your partner and say, you know, it's like sending a recipe to your partner. Yeah. Oh, I like that, but maybe let's swap out the fish. But
0: I'm not but I'm a focus. fan of pecans and I'd rather use walnuts or something like that.
1: Yes. Yes, but we have to normalize having these discussions. Yeah. Because if we can, then we won't take it personally. We'll just understand that this is like us creating a new recipe together. This is us doing something fun together. This is us playing together because what i see so often especially in long-term relationships and especially when there are children involved is that sex gets added to the very bottom of a to-do list. Yeah. And to-do list items aren't fun, right? We're adding this in the same uh category as going grocery shopping rather than looking at this as a decadent dessert we get to have. This is actually an escape from yeah. our to do list. Yeah, this is a place for us to retreat to.
0: Yeah, I love that. And he, it's, I'm uh, like, that's something that I'm definitely fascinated about. I don't have kids yet. Maddie and I don't have kids yet, but we will have kids. What's what? What else can you help? You know, uh, a couple that has kids or future Xander and Maddie, right? How can what? What are some ways that we can make sure that sex and intimacy doesn't fall down that to do list?
1: Well, I'm going to be blunt here because I can talk about all the benefits of it, right? Yeah. But um, sometimes people need to know what's going to happen if we don't prioritize yeah,
2: it. Let's hear it. Yeah.
1: All right. So here's here's the situation. Um, the infidelity gap between men and women is closing, meaning that women are cheating almost at the same rate as men now, and men men's rates have stayed relatively constant. But women, year by year, um, we're catching up. So about 60% of men will stray outside of their marriage. Wow. And 50%, 60%. 60%. Wow. And 50% of women will. That's huge. So, what we've found though, when it comes to female sexuality, are you destined to cheat? No, you are not destined to cheat. However, females, we are wired for novelty. We're wired for novelty, and the novelty doesn't have to exist outside of the marriage. It can easily exist within the relationship. So, how do we? But if they're not
0: getting it, they will go outside of the marriage to get it.
1: Right, right, right. So, so instead of like, okay, well, what are all the benefits? Like, well, what's going to happen if I don't add this to to the top of the to do list? Yeah, you know, it could be the devastation of my entire family. Yeah. So, talking about ways, like, what can we do? to add a new ingredient to this and sitting down and getting curious about it. But you have to just start having the conversations, but use the technology that's available to you. Try using that app that I recommended. Yeah, There are so many games that you can buy now, like if you want to have something handheld. Um, but, you know, make it easy on yourself. You don't have to reinvent the wheel here.
0: Yeah, I love it. That's amazing. Um, what piece? What piece of advice would you give to the guys out there? I think, I think that's something, cause you work with a lot of women, what piece of advice would you give to the guys when it comes to sex and intimacy?
1: Well, I'd give them a little bit of an anatomy lesson first and foremost.
0: <laughs> that's probably a good one. That's probably a good start. I remember when Maddie and I went through our first like intimacy retreat and it was so, it was so funny by the way. And this isn't just for guys because Maddie and I went through that and I was like, huh? And Maddie was like, huh? <laughs>
1: Yes, even a lot of women are like, "Huh, wait, that's that's what my clitoris looks like?" <laughs> and so, okay, so the one big thing I will say is um every woman's body is unique. Yeah. And the thing that worked for the last partner you had, I can almost guarantee you is not going to be the thing that works for this partner. I love that. Well, so you can't take it personally. Um the overwhelming majority of women are not going to reach orgasm through penetration alone. And it has nothing to do with you at all. Yeah. It literally has to do with, um, I don't need to get too technical here, but the distance between the external clitoris and the vaginal opening, which has nothing to do with you. So if women and men can understand just how we're built, women can stop faking orgasms to mm. shield men's egos and I men will understand- Right, men will understand. Oh, this is just um it's not how women are built. There's a really great book I can recommend for men called She Comes First. That's a really good crash course in um in in what arouses us. So, you know, educate yourselves. There's also a fantastic book about the new science behind male sexuality called Not Always in the Mood because there are a lot of misconceptions that men are just rare to go all the time and are always yeah. in the mood. And if you're not, that that's a sign that somehow you're deficient as a man. Yep. And the new science is really showing Xander that men and women, our sexuality is a lot more similar than it is different. This isn't is it, men is it, are from is, Mars. Is it just
0: societal programming that causes us to think it's different?
1: Well, part of it is this. Yes. Part of it is societal programming where men are being, Um, applauded for how many sexual conquests they've had and women are being slut shamed. That's part of it. But another part of it is that we just fail to understand how our arousal techniques are different. So they have looked at sex drives and they found that females and males, we actually want to have sex the same amount. Like We have a similar, almost identical sex drive, but men tend to be more spontaneous, they have spontaneous desire. And women, we tend to have more responsive desire. Yeah. Um, and again, going back to a food analogy, the one I like to use is there's some people who are just born with a sweet tooth. And other people who are like, "Ooh, I smell chocolate cake. Yeah, I want some chocolate cake. Yeah. Women need to be put in the mood. So for every woman, what gets her in the mood is going to be totally unique. So understand that, not, you know, why am I not in the mood, but what could get me in the mood? So if you're a man, understand that your spontaneous desire is probably not going to be mimicked by not your partner. Not the same friend.
2: as hers, yeah.
1: But other than that, we're pretty darn similar. And so, you know, we used to think men are from Mars, women are from Venus. And actually, we are we're very similar, and we're both operating under these societal constraints that are saying, women, you must be pure, and men, you must, you know, be the initiator, and you need to be aggressive, and all these things. And it turns out we're not really very happy living in these
0: molds. Yeah, I love that. That's amazing. Um, I think we could probably keep talking about sex for hours. Um, I do want to talk to you a little bit just about you as a person, because Rena, you know, you're an amazing person, and I think it'd just be really helpful for people to understand um, you. Uh, I'd love to just ask you. Could you describe to me how you would define success in your life?
1: Mm, interesting. Um, I think for me, success is actually knowing that if I died today, I wouldn't have any major regrets. Yeah. Yeah. How close
0: to that do you feel you are right now?
1: I feel I'm there. I love it. I mean, of course, there are things I, I want to accomplish, but I feel like everything's happening at the pace that it's meant to and I know that I'm living in integrity now. And for me, transitioning into this type of work was that final piece of the puzzle, as far as, you know, patching up the cracks in my container and saying, like, no, you're a whole person, you are integrated. So I think that knowing that you, if you got hit by a bus today, that you were living the kind of life that you truly wanted to live.
0: That's amazing. Last question I gotta, I gotta ask you this being the shit you don't learn in college, what's What's the one thing that you wish you knew about sex that they taught in college?
1: Mm, or school, so, or anywhere. Yes, right, right, right. Oh my gosh, I could go through like a hundred things. Ooh, um <laughs> I think, you know, that really that it's meant to be fun. It's one of life's greatest joys that is absolutely free. Yeah. And if we can uncover the layers of obligation and trauma and get to the root of it, that this is fun. And um, couching it as that, I think, is the biggest thing that we don't learn in college, that this is meant to bring us joy.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think that's amazing. Beautiful. Rena, this this has been absolutely awesome. Where can people learn more about you, uh, about Shameless, your program, opening up the world, having these conversations, uh, and having the best sex of their life?
1: Find me at my website, which is renamartine.com, or you can look me up on Instagram. Those are the two best places to find me.
0: Perfect. Thanks so much, Rena. This has been absolutely phenomenal. I know our audience is going to get a ton out of this. Uh, future Xander and, Ma- and Maddie are going to thank you as well. Uh, <laughs> for, for all of our Shit You Don't Learn in College fans out there, if you've gotten any value from this podcast, don't forget to go to www.sidlickbook.com to grab your copy of the Shit You Don't Learn in College book available now. New number one bestseller on Amazon. It's going to be an absolute game changer. Rena, thank you so much for the time. This has been awesome.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. All right. That's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. Thanks a ton.